Thank you, thank you everyone for uh, inviting me, for being here. I don't really have any prepared remarks and I must first apologize for being late, uh, ran over at some other event. But I think the topic is very um, broad because there's so many ways in which the system is less than ideal and has been increasingly exploited by people who don't seem to be able to deliver results but are keen on aggregating power. So actually I'll start at two foundations. One of any country of the scale and diversity of India, our constitution vests an aggressive amount, excessive amount of authority in the union government. Now there's some historical reasons for this that the notion of one nation in a culture that is several thousands of years old probably needed to be reinforced constitutionally, probably need to be given teeth. And therefore, the founders of the country, the designers of the constitution in their wisdom chose to allocate this level of authority at one point. Uh, we live in an interconnected world, so just to prove my point of the aberration, I would say, as I have many places before, take extremely capitalist America on one side and self-awardly communist China on the other side. Both of them devolve extensive powers down to states, districts or counties, cities, local bodies, from you know, police, school boards, taxation, direct taxation, indirect taxation, alcohol policy, retail policy, industrial permits, environmental clearance. Many of these things get done starting at the city, the county, the state. Our constitution vests many of these powers either at the union or in some cases the state. There is no city police, there's only a Tamil Nadu police. The other basis I will start from is the Dravidian movement that I come from. And we started with the notion of self-respect and social justice as the basis for our political philosophy and ideology. The natural extension of self-respect is self-determination. And the way you get self-determination or the closest to it in a democracy is to have local self-governance. You elect people close to you, accountable to you, who take your inputs and shape policy and outcomes and allocation of resources and so forth. So from both perspectives, uh, the Dravidian movement has been uh, historically, going back to the days of Anna and even before that to the Justice Party, uh, vociferously for expanded powers at the local bodies closer to the people. This Inherent problem has become much more uh, critical or much more profound in two ways. One, the increasing diversity in the country from economic outcomes to educational outcomes to health outcomes. We find great disparity between the best and the worst states on any measure. Disparity that used to be at best two is to one, maybe at independence became more like three, four is to one, and in some measures now maybe 10 is to one.
something as aggregate a number as per capita income is maybe four or five is to one between let's say Tamil Nadu and Bihar. So the likelihood of one policy, one allocation model, one decision coming out of uh, a union government, any union government irrespective of party being suitable for everybody is close to zero. The second exacerbating factor has been this particular regime which uh, the Honorable Prime Minister when he was the Chief Minister of Gujarat was the greatest champion of states rights, federalism, allocation, devolution has suddenly turned out to be uh, the direct antithesis to every single word that he said, every single principle he stood for when he was the Chief Minister. But if we see this evolution, uh, we are starting to see a huge divergence. The union starts putting its hand into everything, into minor ports, into dams, into cross-border transactions, into border checkpoints, into taxation, indirect taxation. In every way, now recently, IAS officer postings, in every way they want to aggregate as much power as they can into their hands. But what are we seeing? Both at the macro level and the micro level. At the macro level, continuous years of decline in growth rates in jobs. Huge problem created by demonetization, compounded by uh, untested, unpiloted, rushed to market GST that required hundreds of amendments within a few months. And then a national lockdown without any science, without any assessment, ordered on four hours' notice. The consequences of bad policy sometimes take years to manifest themselves, but they will come. And there is a direct link between bad policy and bad outcomes. It amazes me how the press seems to forget that when bad outcomes come, they didn't fall from the sky. They are the consequence of bad actions, bad policy decisions. The uh, compounding effect at a micro level is that we find every measure that the union government tries to implement with the so-called CES, with the so-called union program. Let's take Swachh Bharat. They can build toilets, but the union government is not in the business of supplying water on a daily basis to every toilet in every state and every city and every village. So you build a toilet the authority or the responsibility to keep it supplied with water vests with some local body. They cannot deliver. You have just wasted the money. It's worse than not having built the toilet. You've built a toilet that cannot be used. There's just every audit report, if you look, neither have the cesses been allocated and spent for the reason they were collected, nor have they been able to achieve the performance metrics for those cesses. If this was not bad enough, we are finding two additional kind of intrusions into the rights of states and local bodies. And one is bills that are passed in state assemblies, supposedly for ceremonial signature by governors, by the president, by union government approval, never get implemented. In September, we passed a bill to reform the Land Registration Act to catch malfeasance, to prosecute offenders, to reverse prima facie bad transactions like registering temple land in the name of private people. Union government has not yet given us assent. 
what is the point of having elections to create legislatures who pass after debate bills in some cases unanimously that never get implemented because somebody refuses to sign it how is this democratic we are also seeing the courts very often under the influence of the union government start to rule in ways that deeply intrude into the constitutional space that should belong to governments whether it's state or local body governments so at a profound level i'm worried that we are reaching this uh, unsustainable paradox where the people who can execute are not given the funds not allowed to function not allowed to legislate not allowed to reform not allowed to deliver results and the people who aggregate all the money all the power all the institutions simply don't have the competence to perform some of it is systemic they simply cannot perform there has not been a form of government yet where you can sit in one place and dictate the lives or the outcomes of 1.4 billion people without variability without adaptability without customization it just cannot be done so these are not things that political power or sheer will can obliterate and deliver results for you so i worry that we are starting to see fractures set in in the nature of our society of our democracy if this kind of paradox persists that those with the power cannot do anything and those who can do anything are stripped of their power where does this end not in a very good place so with that i'll just conclude my remarks and uh, wait to either listen to other people or take questions thank you